Join me in Psalm 130. I'll read the whole psalm for us. Hear now the word of the Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let's pray. Father, would you help us as we come to these words? We come trusting that they are gifts from you. That they are your means of speaking to your people. Would you help us to believe that? Would you help us to understand, to receive what you say? Would you help us not only to, to understand, but, but to enter this song that we find here in Psalm 130? That we may join these words and that they may become a part of our hearts, of our lives. We know that that is the work of your spirit, and so we ask O Spirit, that you would be active now. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One day this week, I was in the car. I was on the way back to the office after lunch. And Terry Gross was on the radio. And she was teasing her program for the next day. And in that program, she was going to interview the author, Elizabeth Strout. And she said something like, The New York Times says of Strout that she is an author who weaves grief and misery with love. And then Terry said, please join us. And I laughed. And I thought, Terry, that's like the worst tease ever. (laughs) Misery, fear, sadness. Join us for a healthy dose of depression tomorrow. (laughs) But I feel a little bit like that with our worship. I feel a little bit like that teasing, inviting you to worship. What are we going to do this week? What are we going to do next week? What are we going to do the following week? Well, we're going to gather and we're going to talk about sin. And we're not going to just talk about sin. We are going to confess our sins. Please join us. We are going to sing things like, I am evil, born in sin. Please join us. It's like the worst tease ever. Not the most motivating reason to wake up and come to worship on a Sunday morning. So why do we do it? 
Obviously, the goal is not to gather a crowd. Why do we do this? Why do we every week declare our sinfulness? And as we ask that, understand that it shouldn't be just every week. That should be a daily habit for those of us who are Christians. Confessing our sins. But why? Why would we do that? I want to bring that question to Psalm 130. This is what we call a penitential psalm. Uh, Like Psalm 103, which we use for our call to worship. Like Psalm 51, which we sang with the song, God be merciful. These psalms, they are the poetry of confession. And so here as we... Look at the poetry of confession in Psalm 130. I think it can help us with understanding the reason for confession. But before we ask why, I want us to ask what. Before we ask why do we confess, let's ask what is confession? Notice that this psalm imagines confession geographically. Confession comes from a place. Verse 1, out of the depths I cry. That word depths is almost always associated with water. And in particular, it's associated with the danger of large bodies of water. And the fear of drowning. You've got to understand that for ancient Israelites, the ocean wasn't a place of holiday. It was a place of terror. It it represented danger and chaos. You remember from the creation story in the book of Genesis? That life as God designs it, life depends on the distinction between dry land and the sea. The distinction between standing and drowning. Remember also from the book of Genesis that when humanity repeats and amplifies the rebellion of Adam and Eve against God, what happens? The distinction between dry land and sea collapses. And the waters cover the earth. Creation descends into the depths, into chaos. And that is the place Where confession comes from. That is the location of confessing our sins. It comes from the reality that life tends to descend into chaos. Things tend to fall apart. Confession comes from that sinkhole that can open up underneath us. Not just physically, but emotionally and relationally. And spiritually. Doesn't this language resonate with part of your experience? Out of the depths I cry. I think that's why it has been so powerful for so many people throughout history. St. Augustine had these words painted on the ceiling above his deathbed. Some unknown person scratched them on the walls of the concentration camp in Dachau, Germany. This is a powerful expression of human experience. But confession of sin takes another step. 
Confession of sin doesn't just name and grieve and mourn a painful situation. Confession of sin takes the next step and acknowledges my contribution to that situation. So as the poet cries from the depths, what does he say? He says, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who can stand? In other words, if my escape from the depths depends on my innocence, I'm going to drown. I'm going to drown. I will not be able to stand. Confession names and owns our participation in the painful situation. That word iniquity is there. It means to twist or to corrupt or to distort. Which is part of the essential nature of sin. When we reject and resist God, we take his gifts, we take his creation, and we distort its purpose and place. So food and eating becomes gluttony. Drink becomes drunkenness. Sex becomes lust, adultery, and so on. Authority becomes abuse. With our sin, we take the good and beautiful design of God and we twist it towards chaos. As we move away from God, we move towards the depths. I think that's why this psalm reminds me of the story of Jonah. You remember that one? God says to Jonah, go this way. And Jonah goes that way. He goes away from the presence of God. And that story, as it tells the story of his move away from God, it uses the phrase, repeats the phrase over and over again, went down. Jonah went down to Joppa. Jonah went down into the ship. Jonah went down into the stormy sea. When we move away from God, we move towards the depths. Toward chaos. Now, That is not to say that all of our pain, all of our sadness, is a direct result of a particular personal sin. We often suffer simply because we live in a world broken by sin. But that is to say that we all participate in the chaos. We all participate in In the chaos. We are all born. Inclined away from God. Towards the distortion. Of his gifts. We all share in that nature. We all act out. That nature. And the confession of our sins. Is the naming. And the owning. Of our participation. In the chaos. Remember the fish from Dr. Seuss's The Cat in the Hat? Worrying the whole time about what the cat and the children and thing one and thing two are doing to the house. 
And then he looks at the, what has happened to the house and he sees the mom pulling in the driveway, returning home. And he says, this mess is too big and too tall. We cannot pick it up. We cannot pick it up at all. That's the confession of sin. Except we don't say that standing outside accusing those who have made the mess. We say it sitting inside and owning and admitting our full participation in the mess. The mess is too big, too deep, too tall. We cannot pick it up. We cannot pick it up at all. We want to soften that. We want to say, okay, there's a mess, but it's not that big. Or at least it, it's not as big as those people over there. Or it's not so deep that I can't pick it up, that I can't manage it, that I can't make it better. It's not that bad. But the confession of sin will not let us tell those lies. It will not let us tell those lies to ourselves or to others. Confession of sin confronts us with the reality that we are part of the mess and that we can't pick it up on our own. And so we ask ourselves, you should ask yourself, I should ask myself regularly, how have I participated in the chaos? With my anger, with my greed, with my apathy, with my lust, with my pride, How have I resisted God's good design for me and for those around me? And from that depth, we should call out. We should call out with the truth of our participation in the mess. But, if that's the truth, can I have to lie, please? Right, that, that's a dark picture. That is a dark description of human nature. That is a dark description of me. Maybe we'd rather have the lie. So we return to the question of why. If that is confession, if confession is owning our participation in this deep and destructive chaos, why would we do that? Why would we confess our sins? Well, we confess our sins because confession anticipates change. Confession anticipates change. This is poetry from the depths. But the poet doesn't expect to stay in the depths. Right? He expresses a powerful anticipation that things will change. And he anticipates two changes in particular. First, forgiveness. He expects that the debt, the penalty of his sin, will be removed. And then he anticipates a second change. Redemption. Freedom. Release. Rescue from the flood and deliverance to the solid ground of peace and life. 
And I love the image that he uses for this anticipation. Verse 6, he says, I look for it, I expect these changes. More than watchmen for the morning. Ancient cities, the protection of ancient cities depended on people staying up all night watching for enemies. And doing that until the sun rose the next day. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine how much you would want the sun to rise? And how comforting it would be to know that the sun rises every morning. This is a powerful combination of desire and certainty. If you've ever worked a night shift, maybe you can feel this image. I worked a 7 to 7 night shift one summer. It was terrible. (laughs) Worst work experience of my life. But I was also more grateful for the certainty that morning would come than I ever have been in my life. The certainty that the sun would rise. This poet looks at forgiveness and redemption and he longs for them, but he doesn't just long for, longs for them. He has a certainty that those changes will happen. How? How does he have that certainty? Why can he have this confidence? Because confession isn't just a mirror. It's a window. See, confession, in the end, isn't just a way to look at ourselves. Ultimately, it is a way to look at God. He has this confidence because as he confesses his sins, his eyes are lifted up to the God who loves to forgive. Who delights in showing mercy. Who has the power to rescue and not only has the power to rescue, but has committed himself with a certainty greater than the rising sun that he will redeem. He will rescue those who belong to him. We can share his certainty. Confession can become for us not a mirror, but a window. Because of Jesus. Because through confession, we look at Jesus, who walked on the depths of the stormy sea, and then calmed the storm with his command. We look at Jesus through confession, and we see the one who on the cross drowned under the judgment that our sins deserve. On him was laid The iniquities of us all. Our corruption. Our distortion. We can have this remarkable confidence. A confidence greater even than the one we read about in Psalm 130. Because through confession we look to Jesus. Who rose. And he rose as the beginning of a new creation. In which... There will be no chaotic sea, the book of Revelation tells us. You see, because of Jesus, God has taken the debt and the penalty of our sin. 
And in the words of Psalm 103, he has thrown them as far as the east is from the west. Because of Jesus, we are not marked with iniquities. We are marked with the waters of baptism. Which speaks of our belonging to the community of rescue. This community that God has committed himself to, to redeem them. We belong to the family of an ark that's better than Noah's. Because of Jesus, we are in him by faith. We will not drown. We will not drown under chaos and judgment. We will stand. We will stand in God's eternal favor and peace. Jesus has transformed the depths. You know the famous dome of St. Paul's Cathedral in London? The gospel message is in that architecture. Because what is a dome? It's a pit turned upside down. That's what Jesus has done. He entered into the depths of death. So that we could ascend with him to the fullness of life. We sing it every Easter. Soar we now where Christ has led. He has taken the pit and made it a dome. He lifts us out of the chaos and places us in God's peace. That's why we confess. We confess our sins in order to see that. We confess our sins to look through a window and see the dome. The call to confession is for all of us. It's for you if you are here and you are not a believer in Jesus. And I hope that you will hear it. But I want to speak for a moment to those who are Christians. We must be careful that our reflection on our own sins does not remain a mirror. There's a tendency, and I I don't know where this comes from, there's a tendency, particularly in our tradition, of a dangerous, dangerous, harmful, obsessive introspection where we use the confession of sins almost as self-contempt, self-hatred. That's not what God has given it to us for. That, it, it remains a mirror. It must become a window for us. We look within so that we can call out and hear from the one who loves to forgive. Hear from our Father who delights in showing us mercy and patience and kindness. The one who is powerful enough and committed enough to redeem And to rescue us. Listen. Don't hold on. To what God has thrown away. Yes. Confess your sin with honesty. With authenticity. But then hear God's forgiveness. Let Jesus lift up your eyes. To see the dome. Why do we confess? 
We confess because we never just confess. Right? Every week, we never just confess. What do we do next? After we pray and sit in silence, what do we do? We hear the assurance of pardon. Words from Scripture that remind us of what Jesus has done. What Jesus has done for sinners like us. And then we sing again in celebration. You know what that pattern says to us? It says, come away from the mirror and look out the window and see your God with measureless mercy and forgiveness and plentiful redemption. Let's pray.